Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Through the Silence. Today, I'm thrilled to be introducing our inspirational guest, the incredible Jack Canfield, America's number one success coach and the New York Times bestselling author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series and the Success Principles. Jack has inspired millions of people worldwide to take control of their lives, and he's here today to tell us exactly how to do that and even better, how to join our team. Hi, Jack. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So one of the things that you like to talk about in your seminars is your childhood experiences. So are you comfortable sharing a little bit about what you endured as a child? Sure. No, no problem. I uh, grew up in West Virginia primarily. Uh, my, my, fa- my first father was in the Air Force and he was an alcoholic. He got very violent when he drank. And my mother was um, someone who gave in to that. In other words, she was not real protective of me. And I don't blame her for that. You know, he was violent with her as well. So I got hit a lot as a child. I got threatened a lot. I, I, I don't have a lot of memories. I think I probably suppressed them. Some come back in, in therapy in different times in my life. I can remember one night when he, he was standing in the doorway of my bedroom and he had a 45 pistol out, the kind that the military you know, gives you. And um, he said, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to shoot you. And I mean, that was, you know, emotionally pretty scary. And when he would drink, I would literally, these have these old radios. I don't know if you've ever seen him in a movie. They they're come about this high and they go down to the floor and it looks like just a little dial. And then there's a big console below. They're mostly hollow. It's like a big piece of furniture. And uh, I used to go in there and in the back where I was small enough to, and then pulled it back against the wall so I could hide when my dad was drinking. Cause you know, if he found me, uh, there were, he usually had a belt. He would take his belt out and, you know, just go crazy. So I became what's called hypervigilant. Most people that have been abused are hypervigilant. You notice little things like if an ashtray is off by three inches on the table, that might upset my dad. So it was just always, now the benefit of that is it made me a good point guard in basketball and you know, it made me a good end. I could fake, see where the things were happening. And so I, I had great peripheral vision and knowing what was going on. But it also left me very anxious, most of, never always on edge, you know, and it's taken a long time for me to um, to get beyond that. I have through therapy and essential oils and lots of different things I've used in my life. But it was I was always on the edge. Now, my mom divorced my first father when I was about six and we went and lived with my grandmother for a number of years. And so the violence stopped. But then my mom married my stepfather and my stepfather was a big spanker as well. And I remember one day when I um, 
there was a movie I wanted to go see. I think I was like 11 and I wanted to go see this movie. I'd seen the preview and it looked like a really cool movie. It was about Jim Thorpe. He was the first Native American professional football player or college football player, whatever it was. And I just liked the preview. And so that Saturday we were supposed to go to a picnic and I knew all the adults were just going to drink and get drunk. And, and I was, and I didn't like some of the other kids that much that were the daughters and sons of some of my parents' friends who were also alcoholics. So I snuck out of the house i went down to this park where i could pump water there was an old pump and these women who were more into holistic health they would bring these uh gallon apple cider jars and i would pump water in them and i'd carry them to their house and they'd give me a nickel and uh back then the movies only cost 20 cents and you could buy a candy bar for a nickel and popcorn for a dime and so i made about 40 cents and i, I went to the movie so i'm about 20 minutes in the movie and i hear over the last, well, Jack Canfield, please report to the box office. I thought, oh my God, that's got to be my dad because he knew I wanted to go to that movie. So there was an exit door in the front of the theater, which I figured I'll just sneak out of there and my dad won't see me. And I snuck out the exit door and sure enough, there was my dad at the exit door. Oh, no. <laughs> he took me home, made me pull my pants down, took out a hairbrush. I remember the back of it, you know, which was a big, long plastic part and just whipped the hell out of my butt. And I remember I refused to cry. I was not going to give him the satisfaction of seeing me cry. And it was only uh, last November, I was in a seminar down in Ecuador. And um, I actually cried. And I, I think I had, I, had, I had suppressed my crying since I was 11. I'm 75. And finally, I let that out. And I, all these tears came. I didn't cry when my mother died. I didn't cry when friends of mine had died. It was always like very spiritual. They're just going into another dimension, you know. All that. And so I think that was another cost, if you will, of my childhood physical abuse. That's so common. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. I feel like the experiences you have really, really shape you. Like you said, it caused your anxiety and it, you know, walled off your, I don't know, ability to feel, but like your willingness to show emotion to grief, right? Right. To be that vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Be out of, you, be out of control in a sense. You know. Exactly. That's the thing. We lose control of our of our bodies and our surroundings. So we grab for control everywhere and anywhere that we can get it. So thank you again so much for sharing that story. What I really love about you as, as a human being, um, but also your story is that from what you've gone through, you were able to build yourself back up into this complete and strong and inspirational human being that just wants to give back. So do you mind telling us a little bit about you writing Chicken Soup for the Soul and the success principles and becoming the successful person that you are? Well, it all started when I, I became a high school teacher back in the 1970s. And um, I literally became more interested in why my students weren't motivated to learn than I was in teaching history. And so I started looking at motivation. How do you motivate people? How do you make them believe in themselves, self-esteem, things like that? And eventually I became teacher of the year. And then I started teaching other teachers. And then I um, started, what I realized, why this is relevant was when I was a teacher, when I was telling a story to the students, whether it was about something that happened in my life that weekend or something that happened in the life of some African-American, I was teaching in an all-black school, some African-American in American history like George Washington Carver or Booker T. Washington or Frederick Douglass. You know, he was the first black ambassador to Jamaica. He was a, an escaped slave. And you know, so anyway, I would tell these stories. And the kids would be absolutely on the edge of their seat. 
And then when I was teaching historical facts, you know, the seven causes of the Civil War and the three exports, of the, they, would, they, they didn't care. And so I early on learned that stories were very powerful. And so all through my teaching, whether it was teaching teachers, teaching a general public, I would use stories to illustrate the principles that I was teaching. And uh, remember, there was about a 30-day period where every talk I gave, someone would come up to me and say, that story about the puppy you told, that story about the Girl Scout who sold 3,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies, is that in a book anywhere? My daughter needs to read it. My staff needs to hear it. And I would say no. And it was like, you know, bang, bang, bang. The universe was telling me, put the stories in a book. So I remember I was coming home on a flight from Boston one night to LA where I was living at the time. I live in Santa Barbara now, about 90 minutes north. And I was like, just well, how many stories do I know? So I started listing them all, you know, like the Boy Scout story, the Kilimanjaro story, the puppy story. And I had about 70 stories. I thought, well, that's enough for a book. So I made a commitment to write two stories a week. And then at the end of the year, I'd have, you know, close to 100 stories. And along the way, Mark Victor Hansen and I had breakfast one day and he said he wanted to write the book with me and we agreed to do that. And so that's how it came to be. And what was fortunate was at the end of that first book, you know, when they print a book, they have these web pages that go by really quickly, like the newspapers you see in the movies are always going around, you know, when they're showing the movie, the newspapers being printed. But at the end of the book, often they take those big wide pages and they fold them a bunch of times and then they make these things that they cut. And there's two or three blank pages. And our publisher said, you have some blank pages at the back. Would you like to print anything there? And I said, give me 10 minutes because that's all I had. I said, more stories? I said, if you have a story, send it in. Maybe we'll do a sequel. Well, within a year, we started getting 500 stories a week people were sending in. Now, they weren't all good, but there was enough to do a second helping of chicken soup for the soul, a third serving, a fourth course, a fifth bowl, a sixth pot, you know, whatever. And then uh, we started doing Mitch books, chicken soup for the women's soul, chicken soup for the teenage soul, etc. And that's how that took off. And, you know, one story that most people don't know is that we were turned down by 144 publishers. Over the course of 14 months, everyone said no, stupid title, no one reads short story collections, etc. And so it was 145th publisher who finally said yes. And um, I'd like to say, and the rest was history, but it wasn't. We didn't hit a bestseller list for another 14 months. We did something called the Rule of Five, where every day we made five phone calls, sent out five letters, sent out five free books, whatever, to get the books out there, you know, called five radio stations to see if they would interview us, etc. And eventually, uh, there was a kind of a, a point at which it took off on its own that people would read the book, tell their friends, they would tell their friends and daughters and buy books for their sales team. And that first book went on to sell over 10 million copies and the whole franchise then, then took off. The success principles occurred because by the time we were super successful and I bought a big house and was living in Santa Barbara, my son was about 11 at the time. And he was, I think, about six when the book came out. And we're lying in bed one morning on a Saturday morning, and he's uh, in his computer playing a video game. And I'm in my computer just probably answering emails or something. And he said, Dad, how come we live in a bigger house than all my friends? And I said, well, we've been more successful. Why? So I sold a lot of books, best-selling author. Well, how'd you do that? And we just had this conversation, which led down to, well, I live my life by this set of principles that I call the principles for success. And he said, what are they? So I started to tell him and, and, you know, like an 11 year old after a while, he got bored with it. <laughs> so, so he, he went back to his video game and I kept 
writing down all these principles. And at the end of that, about an hour and a half, I had 114 principles that I had lived my life by. You know, tell the truth faster, take action, ask for what you want, affirm visualization, you know, respond to feedback, you know, whatever. And so then I thought, well, that might make a good book. Then I started writing all these up and I realized 114 was way too many. So we narrowed it down to 64. And that's what became the first Success Principles book. That's an awesome story. And I think, I think what I like most is that the underlying theme is that nothing comes easy and anything that comes easy takes work. And that's sort of like healing from abuse, right? You know, when you start healing, it's super painful. You cry, you experience the emotions that you've suppressed or repressed over however long it had been, but you ultimately triumph because you keep trying and the more you push and the more work you put into it, the more you get out of it. I think that's true. I always tell people that, you know, um, the only place that success comes before work is in a dictionary, you know, S before W. The reality is there's work to do. If everything was easy, we'd all be thin, we'd all be happy, we'd all be, you know, enlightened, we'd all be wealthy, you know, whatever. Not the case. There is work to do. And it doesn't matter where you start. One of the the great joys of chicken soup for the soul was collecting all these stories of people who were born into poverty, people who had lost limbs, people who had had PTSD from the military, people like myself who, you know, had childhood trauma, etc. But they overcame it because they were willing to do the work, whether it was therapy, whether it was learning the skills they needed for their profession, whether it was taking risks by going out and speaking or trying to make a sale or asking for support, whatever it might have been. You know, I didn't know this until about two years ago. Howard Schultz, who started Starbucks, was turned down by 217 banks and investors before someone would lend him money to start the first Starbucks. And what if he'd stopped after 100? I don't, we'd all be drinking Nescafe or something. I don't <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I, I love that because it, it really shows that, you know, the more work you put in, the more you get out. And if you really believe that you can do it, you keep trying. And again, it goes back to healing. It, it really stinks at first and it's really hard because you're reliving all these horrible things and trying to avoid ruminating on these traumatic events. But once you push past that and really start to see the light and, and you heal, you start to feel better, it all becomes worth it. And then you just keep trucking. Yeah. One of my favorite phrases is uh, suffering is optional, but pain is required meaning that you don't have to live a lifetime of suffering as most of us do because we've never healed our childhood wounds or some of them are adult wounds, but a lot of them are from childhood, but there's pain, you know, I mean, giving birth to a, a baby is painful, but the, the joy that comes from having given birth to that child and raising that child and watching that child grow up and become successful and fulfilled and content, happy and productive citizen, et cetera, nothing matches that. Starting a business, is really difficult. I've started three of them in my life. And for a long time, you're going down the runway and the plane never seems like it's going to take off. There's a lot of work, a lot of late nights and a lot of failures and, and, and challenges and things that don't want. But eventually the plane does take off. And, um, you know, after a while you get to 35,000 feet, you level off and there's much less gravity, there's much less air resistance up there. And now you can kind of coast a little bit. And so you know, I'm at a level in my life now with all the fame I have and all the credibility and the um, sort I want trust that people have given me, et cetera. Uh, 
I get a lot of offers to do things that don't require me to do as much because people are willing to do more to be able to play with me. And so that wasn't true when I was 30 years old, when I was, you know, 35. The same thing is true with anything. When you started, it's, you know, the first book I wrote was very, very difficult because I didn't know what I was doing. But the second one was easier because I now had a template in my mind for how you do that. And so um, the same thing is true with healing. As you said, there's a lot of painful memories that have to be re-experienced. But you know, one of the things today, we have so many technologies now with EFT and neuro-linguistic programming and aromatherapy and all these things that can actually accelerate and facilitate those um, healing processes. So it doesn't have to be as painful as it might have been 20 years ago when we didn't have these technologies. Absolutely. I think that therapies have really increased and there are a lot of things. What I really want to talk to you about is essential oils because it's mm -hmm. something that both of us are really passionate about. We're on a team together about it and I'm really excited for your feelings challenge on June 1st. So tell me a little bit about how the essential oils have helped you, how you kind of got involved in it. Yeah, well, I was someone up until about three months ago, I thought essential oils, I didn't even hear the word essential. They were just oils. Like I'd go to the spa and someone would say, here, smell these three things, eucalyptus, lavender, and lemon. Which one would you like, you know, in your diffuser? Or which one would you like in your oil when you want to massage you? And I say, well, what's the difference? Well, this one's relaxing. This one's calming. This one will wake you up, you know, whatever. And that was all I knew. And, um, and then last October, I was doing one of our retreats. And, you know, you were there basically. Basically, what happened was the woman came and she was into essential oils and she said, hey, you're about to do this process where you go back and we are going to identify a limiting belief that you took on between the ages of three and eight years old. And, um, and, I, and I said, we're going to do that. She said, you know, if we use these essential oils, it can be easier and faster and more, more effective. And I went, really? And she said, yeah. So she had us all like rubbing these oils on and smelling them and everything. And, you know, I'm thinking this is a little weird at first, but, you know, I'm always willing to play along. And sure enough, uh, a lot of people went faster and deeper and had uh, great experiences. And then th throughout the rest of the seminar, you know, we we're doing life purpose where people were rubbing clarity and smelling that and inner child and joy and calming and peace and calm and all these things. And I was learning lavender is calming and peppermint makes you up and so anyway it was very cool and like everything you learn something and then if it's not reinforced very quickly you kind of forget about it so you know I come home November December January I'm not thinking much about this because I you know Christmas is coming up and all that and then in February I went to India to an Ayurvedic uh, center where we were doing uh, changing our diet to a plant-based diet and I was on a weight loss thing I'd lost 15 pounds my wife and I did a lot of detoxing and we had a great time there with people we got in the steam baths every day and massages and detoxing and enemas and all this stuff it was great and then we come home the coronavirus takes over and there's this big pandemic in the world and all of a sudden it's like oh my god my business which is putting on live trainings and now we're being told by the state of california you can't have meetings of more than 50 people and then a couple weeks later more than 10 people and then it was no meetings in hotels the hotels were all like you know going crazy and we were going crazy we had all this money to return to people if we didn't figure out some way to pivot and do those trainings online, which we've done pretty well at doing that. I've delivered some online keynote speeches now. and But anyway, at that time, it was like, oh, my God. And I was really wanting to make sure my immune system was strong so that, that I wouldn't get anything. 
in that process, I was reintroduced to the essential oils and started learning about how they could enhance the immune system, how they could calm people down in the midst of chaos and fear, which was rampant in our society and in my own company. Alice, who you know, is my sales director, and she was freaking out. She had to call up all these people and tell them, we're canceling this training. And we're, we're fear was everyone's going to ask for their money back. How do we pivot those people into an online training? And anyway, she started using Valor, which is one of our oil blends, which you just basically, she put it in a diffuser, which then puts it up in the air and you're kind of inhaling it or she rubbed it in her hands and do like you were just doing. I have Valor right here somewhere on my table. And I, I've used lavender, but when I go to bed at night, I use inner child. Like last night, this is a blend that makes you get into your inner child. And I was, I've been working all week and I just said, I want to go to my wife and be young and playful for the evening. And so I just, it's so amazing. These oils actually impact your emotions. They impact your state of consciousness, your state of being, and they also help with your wellness. So we started getting into this and started using them. And then all of a sudden I was reintroduced to the income potential, the, the fact that you could, you know, enhance your income and eventually even move toward financial freedom. And I was at the point thinking, if we don't pivot our company successfully, I don't want to fire my staff. They've been with me 25 years, 20, 35 years with Patty, 10 years with most everyone. And, um, you know, we're talking about payroll protection plans and all this kind of stuff. Are we going to get a loan? We don't know. And I thought if I could find another way to supplement their income so that if we did have to cut everyone's salary instead of fire everybody, people would still have an alternative source of income. So basically the network marketing opportunity that came with the essential oils was an opportunity to do that. So literally everyone in my company, all 12 employees and two of my consultants who are not employees, but do a lot of work for us. Kathleen Seeley, who you know, and also um, a woman who does a lot of our copywriting. We signed them up as well. And we've all been engaged in this now for two months. We've been very successful at it. And our lives are changing in terms of, my wife said to me this morning, you have been the most calm, the most loving, the most non-reactive I've ever seen you in your life. And I realize this because every day I'm putting these oils on in the morning there's one called White Angelica, which and it sounds woo-woo as hell. <laughs> I would have said you're crazy like, you know, three months ago. It actually kind of puts a protective aura around you. It doesn't allow you to be affected by other people's emotions. And at night, we're putting lavender on our feet. And we're sleeping through the night, whereas before I would wake up in the middle of the night. And she would wake up in the middle of the night. We don't do that anymore. She used to have restless leg syndrome. Now her legs don't twitch when she falls asleep or in the middle of the night. That's been wonderful for us. And I have discovered, this is so cool about oils, why they work, is that every oil has a frequency, just like every color. Like you, the color of your shirt is reflecting a certain frequency of light. My shirt's reflecting a different frequency. And so every oil has a frequency that relates to either an emotion or a feeling state or it can relate to the same vibration, like your liver has a certain frequency. So there's certain oils, if you put it over your liver, helps your liver be healthier, helps it balance out what it does, its functions and so forth. So I've been studying all this and just blown away by it. Also, many of the oils have what we call a free radical. They help get rid of the oxygen that's roaming around, the free radicals that cause problems in the body. And then the emotional part, 
and this is why I think you and I got so excited about it, is that literally, if you've had emotional trauma in your life, these oils, there's a kit called a feelings kit, which basically looks like this. And in this kit comes with a bunch of oils. I can open it up real quickly. One of them's missing because I'm using it. <laughs> I have two of these and I ran out of one oil because I was using it so much. And what we're doing in the month of June is we're going to do this, what we call emotional reset or feelings challenge, where starting in June, every day you will apply these six oils to your body in the morning and again at night. And what happens, they go in through the skin and within 20 minutes, this is the part that just blows me away. And this is pure science. The atomic mass unit of the atoms that are in these essential oils are so small. I don't want to get too scientific, but there's this thing called Dalton's or atomic mass units. And anything under three or 400 can go through the brain blood barrier and affect the brain. And all these essential oils are 300 atomic mass units or smaller, which means they all go in and affect the neuroreceptors in the brain. So within 20 minutes, every cell in your body has 40,000 uh, molecules of this essential oil from one drop. You have 100 million trillion cells in your body. There's 4,000 million trillion cells of atoms of uh, essential oil in one drop. And so literally they penetrate your entire body. So every cell in your body within 20 minutes from your brain to your liver, to your kidney has 40,000 atoms of this essential oil with this frequency, and this vibration, either on it or in it within 20 minutes, which is just astounding. What else could do that? You know, so it's, it's pretty amazing to me. So anyway, we're going to be doing this challenge and what will happen is that the emotional, um, system, if you will, in the body begins to normalize itself over time through the oils because the oils have a, a cumulative effect for the people that are following you. This is really useful in terms of helping them to go to greater inner peace, greater joy, greater calmness, greater equanimity, um, all the things that we all want as opposed to, you know, experiencing the effects of the childhood trauma. Totally. No, thank you so much. I mean, that was a lot of information. And to sum it up really, really short, the thing I love most about essential oils, especially Valor, it's funny that you pointed that out because that is by far my favorite one, is your hippocampus, the memory center of your brain, is directly connected to your nose. So smells bring up much more vivid memories. There you go, Valor. There's my Valor. <laughs> That's my baby. <laughs> I have four bottles of it right next to me at all times. So when you smell something, it triggers a memory in your brain. And so these essential oils are fabulous because when you think of something so negative and then associate it with something so positive, you're pretty much rewriting your brain and you're allowing your brain and your body to release that memory, especially there's a blend that I really like and I use with all my coaching clients called release, um, which is part of the feelings kit. And it's really, really good for releasing that trauma and like breaking down those walls and allowing yourself to be open to the healing journey and everything that's coming towards you to help make your life better. Yeah, the other thing we're going to do too, is we're, every month, at least for the first next three or four months we've scheduled this out, is in June we're doing the feelings kit. 
in um, July, the current plan is to do what's called the perfect day plan, where literally with uh, certain oils, you put them on in the morning and your whole day goes better. And my wife and I experimented with that for a week and it was true. Just we were kind of in a state of joy most of the day. And then we're going to do uh, Dr. Perkis, who invented this thing called the Aroma Freedom Technique, uh, which is uh, very much like what I described, the exercise we do in my training, but with oils. We're going to do that probably in August. And then each month we'll have a focus of something we want to focus on, one of the oils and what it does for you and how it can affect your life. So I'm really thrilled with this. And as a person who's always looking, how can we go further and faster with less effort? That's always what I'm looking for. I mean, I used to have people... 300 people in a workshop with towels, beating chairs, screaming, you know, F you and stuff to get rid of all this anger that they might have had from their childhood abuse. And then we discovered the Sedona method. And so you could just basically let the feeling be there, open it to it, experience it fully, let it go. Then we discovered tapping, which I liked even better. We started tapping these emotions away, the five-minute phobia cure, getting rid of phobias in five minutes or less and fear and all that kind of stuff. And then I discovered oils. Oils is even quicker along with these other techniques. So, I mean, maybe someday we'll find something and you just basically swallow a pill and you're enlightened. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I'll sell it if it does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the oils are pretty close. I mean, I use Valor every day when I wake up and I have the most confidence I've had in 10 years. Yeah. No, Alice, <laughs> she was telling us when she had to call up all these people and tell them that our training had been canceled and she has worried they were all going to like disappear and take their deposits with them and bankrupt our company. And she was using Valor about every two hours all through the day just to make those calls. And she said, I was so scared in the morning. And after Valor, I wasn't. And if anything started to come back, I would do it again. And she said, now this is my go-to oil. We just did our first uh, Facebook Live together this morning, and um, she was a little nervous. Again, she did Valor, and we, we had an amazing Facebook Live. It was so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I was on it for like the last half of it. <laughs> so I am really excited that you and I are partnered to for this challenge and for the feelings challenge and with the essential oils I think that that's amazing and I would love for anyone who's interested in joining our team and getting to hang out with Jack join I have a link in the description to enroll and when you enroll following that link you will automatically be put on my team which is Jack's team you get to hang out with him every Tuesday Yeah, let me just say about that. When you join a team, because I didn't know much about essential oils, but every Tuesday from 1030 until noon California time, we have an education call. And we've had some of the most amazing experts on these calls, people that have been involved with Young Living for 25 years, doctors, literally MDs, chiropractors, psychologists, and um, they come on and they educate us about the impact of these oils, how to use them correctly, what they are, what the feelings kit does, uh, what the aromatherapy technique is. Uh, We had um, a member of the military um, who had uh, PTSD come on and talk about how he overcame his trauma from the war using these oil kits and how his night rages stopped and how he did flashbacks stopped occurring and he got more emotional balance and everything. And he was amazing along with his wife and talking about their story of how essential oils had, had really helped them normalize their emotions over time. And so every week we have that. And then we have opportunity calls. So if you decide you want to do this as a business opportunity, obviously, when you first start this, you don't know how to talk about it, but we do. And so every Wednesday and every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, we do a call where myself and Alice and 
probably Marissa some you, at some point will be on there as a teacher as well. Oh, I uh, love that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool because people are telling their stories about how it's impacted them. And so what happens is we're doing all the enrolling for you and then you just sign them up and the, that part's really easy or we can even help you sign the people up underneath you. And you do that for like four or five weeks and by then, you know, you've got your story down, you know, you hear it enough, you can tell it yourself. And we've grown our organization from about 31 people to at last I looked today, we're at 550 people uh, after just a couple of months. And so it's very exciting for me that we're here to support you. I've never been so enrolled in anything as I was since I started our train the trainer program. We started training people all over the world to teach our work, the self, the um, success principles. My wife says, you're like a little kid in a candy store. I said, yeah, I am. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> I just can't wait to get out of bed in the morning and start again. That's awesome. Oh, that makes me so happy. It like revitalized you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell people how to be on your team again one more time and then we can For bring sure. this to a close. Okay. So in the description or in the, in the description under this video, um, I have a link that directs you to how to enroll, how to become a member. And my information's already input in it. So all you need to do is pick out your kit and your diffuser, I always recommend the Desert Mist because I just think it's the prettiest. Um, and I really like the candle setting, three buttons in, So just so you know. But follow the link, sign up, register and enroll, get your starter kit, and then join us for this world of learning how to change your life financially, emotionally, physically, literally any possible way you need a life change. This one's got you, you know, essential oils really help. <laughs> I love it. Essential oils. We got you. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Jack. I really, really appreciate it. I hope this helps a lot of people. Thank you. We're really great. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm always glad to help you any way I can. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone and hurt and live a free, confident and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at Marissa.Fay.Cohen. We'd love to see you there.